This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind. This is a podcast all about perinatal mental health and wellness related to conception, pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. But more than that, we aim to deepen our truths, shed light on real issues, speak about our pain, feel understood, and offer a path to healing. We raise the volume on these topics in hopes that someday everyone will have the support and information that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. As we've talked about many times on this podcast, hearing personal stories can be very liberating and shame-relieving for mothers and families. Stories are real, educational, and sometimes heartbreaking and heart-opening all at the same time. Today, we are hearing a personal story, the lived experience of Molly Caro May. She's going to tell us about some of the parts of her story and how, as a writer, She was able to use her story in her own healing and in the hope to heal others through her book entitled Body Full of Stars, Female Rage and My Passage into Motherhood. I'll read to you part of the book's description from her website. How can the fiercest love for your child and the deepest wells of grief coexist in the same moment? How has society neglected honest conversation around the significant physical changes new mothers experience? Could real healing occur if generations of women were fluent in the language of their bodies? Body Full of Stars is one woman's story, dark and tender, honest and corporeal, that reveals deeper truths about how disconnected many modern women are from their bodies. It is her postpartum awakening. It's also a joyful and tender-hearted celebration of the greatest story of all time. Mothers and daughters, partners and co-parents, and the feminine power surging beneath it all. Molly Caromay is also the author of The Map of Enough. She is the co-founder of the Thunderhead Writers Collective and received writing fellowship at the Taft Nicholson Environmental Humanities Center. She lives in Montana with her husband, two young daughters, and Great Dane Mutt. Let's meet Molly. Welcome, Molly. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to get into your book and to tell everyone all about it. I think it's really, really important that you've written this book, and I'm excited to learn more about your story and to help people find out 
how they can find out more about your story. And I, you know, I'm really a firm believer in story and hearing from others as it was just even for myself, one of the ways that I came out of my shell about my experience. So I really appreciate that you've put this in book form and made it accessible to everyone. Mm, Thank you for that. Yeah. So let's start there. Let's start wherever you feel comfortable with what happened, your story. Yes. So it began in my pregnancy. I had a hard pregnancy of vomiting for, you know, nine slash 10 months. Mm-hmm. I was in sort of a strange living situation, trying to find a, a home that made sense for us. And everything sort of came to a head. I didn't, I knew that women were sick, but I didn't really know that they got that sick. I mm-hmm. hadn't known anyone. And so I was upset and angry about it. And I hadn't yet developed that resilience or even the knowing that it ends, which sounds mm-hmm. ridiculous, but you know, your first pregnancy, you don't really know it ends. If you're right. Sick. right, right. And so But then I had this incredibly empowering birth. It was meant to be at home, but I ended up in the hospital and I pushed for five hours and had a vacuum delivery, but it was super empowering for me because because it happened and our baby was healthy and I did it. So I was sort of riding on the waves of that. And the first month was really blissful. My husband was able to take four weeks off. We were, you know, cuddled up with our baby and Mm -hmm. I think I was in denial around what was happening with my body because I really didn't know. Mm. And what was happening with my body was that I was now incontinent. Mm. Why? Who knows? A mix of factors. But I didn't really know that that was the case. And I was also about to deal with a thyroid issue, postpartum hypothyroid, which came in six months postpartum. And I had a hormonal imbalance. So, Mm -hmm. um, and a prolapse, you know, so some polyps. Oh, man. So all of that was brewing. And at the same time, my husband was building our house, like a one man job building our house. So he was really unavailable, really other than at night for the first 18 months of our daughter's life. So all of this created the perfect storm. And the story is really about my coming into awareness about my body. I'd always been very body focused, but I suddenly had this body breakdown happening and I had... I was very angry um, yeah. and my husband wasn't present in the way I wanted him to be. And so what ended up happening was I had these rage moments. Mm-hmm. Now in my, in my scope of emotion, when I'm out of balance, I get irritable. So yeah. it's not like I was someone who'd never experienced anger and suddenly was, but I'd never thrown anything at my husband and mm-hmm. suddenly I was throwing laundry at him across the room. And so it took a while, I sorted out that I had hormonal imbalance, I was on progesterone, and I was on thyroid medication, but it took a while to sort out that this rage came right before my menses, Mm. and that it was trackable, not to mean that I wasn't responsible for it, but there was a physiological piece as well. Yeah, so I stopped nursing at 18 months, and everything stabilized at that point, my hormones, my anger, my rage, And it wasn't that I didn't have irritability from time to time, but it was a pretty dramatic shift. So, you know, the story is about me and my body. It's about my marriage. I'm living near my mom at the time. So it's about mothers and daughters. And and it's also a lot about what women have not had the safety or space to really say, which is that women get angry Mm -hmm. and it's normal and it's a human emotion. And so the book really explores female rage. And it's not a research historical book, but it does explore a little bit the history of that and why that's problematic, especially in the perinatal world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. 
Okay. So, you know, I even in my practice have many clients who are dealing with this and feel such shame about it and feel scared to talk about it but because I think of exactly what you're describing. So I think it would be fascinating for people to have some of the history that you're describing around that. It can be so helpful to reduce that shame. Absolutely. And you know, I had heard about postpartum depression and, and in my mind's eye, that was a woman on the couch crying right. or not feeling attached to her baby. I knew anxiety, but I didn't really know the anger piece because it's actually not all that talked about mm-hmm. because there is a shame. And I was really lucky and I didn't have anger that got directed towards my child. And mm-hmm. I know that's the case for a lot of people. And that's the highest shame, right? That people really have trouble admitting to that. Mm-hmm. And that's really common, I think, to be frustrated at the child. But it's a big one. And even in sharing my story and in people reading my book, people will say to me, wow, you know, that's really brave. And I think the word brave is code for, I can't believe you're admitting this, (laughs) you (laughs) know, because it's embarrassing, I think, Mm -hmm. for a lot of folks. And it was for me at first too. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. And and there's these snap judgments that people make about, I think what you were describing is women and their moods and anger and, and whatnot. And even with you know, just kind of PMS in general, it's become sort of an adjective to describe how somebody's feeling. Oh, you're PMS or so it like we have a very limited range of moods that were sort of in air quotes allowed before people get judgmental. And you sounds like experience quite a wide range of feelings during that time. Yeah, absolutely. And there is this judgment around it. And it's, you know, it's the dominator language saying Mm -hmm. like, oh, little lady, (laughs) don't get too big. Don't get Mm -hmm. too loud. Mm -hmm. And the irony is that my husband is not like that. My parents are not like that. The people around me are not like that. If anything, my husband would say to me, like, you are the patriarchy, Molly, because you are just coming at me all the time. I talk also in the book about this woman on women violence, because it's not just the men, it's the women saying, be quiet, don't reveal this. It's, but this is also about safety. And so an important thing to mention is that for me, this wasn't all that risky to write this book because I live in this bubble of safety, which is that I'm white, I'm straight, I'm American and middle class. And so for me, it's safe. Like there's not a lot to risk because I'm supported by all the systems. But I think for a ton of people, there's a lot to risk in admitting like I have anger. Right. No, I'm so glad you mentioned that and are aware of that in your story and where you are kind of placed societally in this and speaking to it. It is absolutely imperative to be mentioning that. And I thank you for that. And you're right. Women of color don't really have that same privilege in terms of what you've been able to do to put it out there, especially talking about rage. I'm hopeful that, you know, it allows women, if they're not able to come out and be public about it, at least to feel heard and seen somewhere. Absolutely. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that 
fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Absolutely. And that's the whole point is if people start talking about it more, the circle of safety increases. And yeah. at some point, the women who are the least safe will have that, that ability to share. Right. And, the, and then get help. That's the whole point, to share and then get the help they need to move through it. Right. So if we can kind of go back a little bit in your experience and talk about how you knew what was going on. How, how did you come to figure all of this out? Well, I didn't. It was really through the observation of my husband mm -hmm. who continually said to me, this is a lot of sleep deprivation that mm -hmm. is you know, creating this. And I kept blaming him and saying, like, you're the reason that I'm wounded, essentially, yeah. because our disconnection is creating this problem for me. And I think there's a partial truth there. But there was also this other piece. And there was a moment where we were coming home from a Sunday barbecue. And my husband told me he couldn't mirror me to use therapy talk. And mm -hmm. I lost it and started beating on the steering wheel. And it turned into sort of this super dramatic moment where I was in the woods throwing rocks. And at that point, we sort of started to recognize, especially he started to recognize, like, this is not who she is. And mm -hmm. there's something out of balance here. So, mm -hmm. and then I tried to, I didn't actually try, but I contemplated crashing my car. And that's mm -hmm. when a friend who I called, called my husband, who called my doctor and they triaged and it became this, we essentially created a postpartum plan like 18 months after we had our baby, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and that's the, our big thing now is, man, we all need a postpartum plan in pregnancy mm -hmm. and maybe, it, you know, just to have some foundation. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. Actually, our next episode will be on that very thing. So it's very important to be doing that. Uh, so right, you had a supportive environment, people who could see past what you were doing and understand that your behavior was not you. That's incredibly important. It is important. And I often think, you know, there's the story that's been circulating about the woman who went to her doctor and said she had anger and ended up in jail. Or mm -hmm. I reflect back and think, you know, it could have turned out really differently for me if mm -hmm. I'd gone to the wrong person. And I was mm -hmm. very scared to go to a traditional doctor, whatever, MD, yeah. because I just didn't know what they were going to do with me. Mm -hmm. And I really depended on my naturopath. And I, I don't, I was scared. I was scared of that. And my rage was never directed at my kids, but I was nervous that 
someone would take my kids away from me. Mm. And I kept saying that to my husband. He said, no one would ever do that because I would vouch for you and all this. But I was scared of that system Mm -hmm. and I avoided it, which is really too bad because there's help in that system too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's some good help, but there's also a a reason that people are afraid. Part of it is kind of what society tells us. Part of it is that some doctors don't know what to do. And that's hard to sometimes take a gamble on that. But you found some people that did know what they were doing. And you mentioned a naturopath. Is that the first person you went to? Yes. She's actually a friend of mine as well. And she's our doctor. So I went to her and she, you know, ran a bunch of tests and sorted out the thyroid piece pretty quickly, which was imperative because that could have been missed and that would have led to a whole host of other things. Right. So that, how soon in your experience did you get the thyroid worked out? That happened at six months, but I didn't really have symptoms. I didn't really have symptoms until six months. You know, I woke up one morning and basically couldn't move or get out of bed physically. And so that's when we sorted that one out. Okay. Wow. So after you got on supplements or medication, did that help quite a bit? Oh yeah. No, dramatically. Yeah. Okay. So that was part of the imbalance. What else? Yeah. it was Well, thyroid, my estrogen and progesterone were off. I was low in progesterone and I was on those supplements. Um, I also had adrenal fatigue for a long time, Mm -hmm. but that's part of the thyroid dance too. So it was all those pieces and sleep was huge. And this is, I honestly think that if I'd been sleeping, a lot of this may have sort of sorted itself out, and mm-hmm. but I wasn't, not for a long time. Can I ask, were you not sleeping because you were anxious, up worried, thinking a lot, or not sleeping because you felt like you needed to take care of a million things? No, I was not sleeping because my daughter was awake. So, uh, right. no, no, I wasn't. No, no, I wasn't. I know that happens for a lot of women. I was not awake and anxious. I was trying to figure out how to teach my baby to sleep. Gotcha having a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, all babies are different. Some just really do wake up every hour, two hours. Right. I mean, you're describing something that that is a common part of what happens for moms, but we really do a disservice by not talking about how much it really impacts you. Exactly. Um, that sleep part. Okay. So sleep was really important, getting your hormones checked out and getting on supplements for that. And once you did that, I mean, you said around 18 months, everything stabilized. How long did you experience that rage part? That was, that was for about that long. I mean, Mm -hmm. it came and went, but it Mm -hmm. was also, it was really in in my book. I, in the the foreword, I essentially say, what is this? Is it chemical? Is it Mm -hmm. situational? I couldn't really identify it. I think it was all of the above, but my husband and I were in a very tumultuous place in our marriage. And it's like chicken or egg, what comes first? I don't know. So I would be fine. And then I would get triggered by something he said, and then it would send me flying off the roof or I would, my incontinence would sort of be okay. And then we would get an argument that I'd be peeing all over the floor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it was this big soup. But as I mentioned, when I stopped nursing, which was my naturopath's orders, Mm -hmm. she said, I'm not going to force you to do anything, but I really think this will change something for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she believes in prolonged nursing, but she just said, I think you need to do this. And I did. And it changed everything. Okay. So the nursing itself was part of the factor that was keeping you? I I think it it wasn't, I loved nursing. It wasn't sort of the psychological piece of nursing. Mm -hmm. It was the hormones, right? So something in my hormonal palate when I was nursing kept me in a place, a high-pitched place. 
And within two weeks of any nursing, I just felt like me again, my pelvic floor cinched up, like everything shifted. And I had a very hard end of nursing in terms of I, like I experienced the hormonal plummet where, yeah. you know, which was pretty extreme for me. But then I felt, I really felt like me for the first time. Oh man, that's a long time to not feel like yourself. Right. A really long time. So if I can, again, step back a little bit, you had mentioned that your husband kind of brought it to your attention that something was going on. And maybe around that same time, you were feeling like he was a big part of the problem. What was your internal experience? How did you know when something wasn't quite right or that you needed to to do something different and get a different kind of help? I think I knew about three months postpartum, I got my period back. So I started bleeding, even though I was nursing around the clock. And Two days before that, I was sitting in my car with a feeling that I wanted to destroy everything. Like I wanted to destroy my jacket, my food, the laundry pile, my marriage. I just wanted to destroy, which is just nothing I'd ever felt before. Mm. I knew in that moment that, okay, this is unusual. But I also, I, don't, I, I think I was so hell-bent on this conversation I was in with my husband around him needing to honor me for all the pain I'd been in and the sacrifice of my body that I was so attached to that, Mm -hmm. that I couldn't really separate like the destroying energy I had from that. Mm -hmm. So I I wasn't, I I just kept blaming that. Like if we fix our marriage, everything will be fine. So Mm -hmm. it took me, I would say until probably six months, the, the thyroid piece to really understand, okay, there are a lot of pieces here. But, you know, that said, I knew to help myself and I went to the right people, but I also didn't help myself. I mean, I went to a pelvic floor therapist and then I didn't do any pelvic floor exercises because I was in shock and upset and sort of like self-sabotaging, you know? Mm-hmm. So literally for probably a year or so, I just ignored it and was in denial. Right. So it's so hard when you're in it. I mean, for a lot of people anyways, to be able to kind of accept what's going on and to even understand what's going on in order to accept it. It's really a lot to wrap your mind around when you're feeling the feelings. Yeah, it is. And I think I think when my behavior became extreme, like throwing laundry at my husband and trying to crash my car, those pieces, mm-hmm. I knew that something was off. But I also didn't want to be medicated. Like this was my feeling, like don't tamp me down people. Mm. I don't, I I was really resistant to that because I thought these are my real feelings. Mm. So like I had a hard time parsing out, you know, what's just erratic behavior because of some psychological, not psychological, physiological and psychological combination. And what is just my feeling that is valid. So in talking to a lot of other women, I think that's common. This, Mm -hmm. This sense of, well, my feeling is real, even though it's extreme And so how do you decide what's okay and what needs to be rerouted, right? Or medicated or not Mm -hmm. medicated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure. Yeah, it's it's really hard. And also I think some of what you're describing is that people don't have access to the information about even what medication does and doesn't do. And you know, how how these other types of support, even supplements, can help them and not necessarily take away their experience, but potentially get them to a place where they can effectively deal with their feelings in in a calmer state. Absolutely. So throughout your experience and now, you know, you've written a book about your experience and which I think is absolutely 
imperative, just in the collective sense too, of us being open about what happens. What do you feel like people deserve to know? What should we be talking about? What should you have known? That kind of line of thinking. Uh, Just about postpartum experience in general? Yeah, well, I mean, you can go from your experience. I'm just going to assume for a moment that you didn't have all the information you needed to recognize what was going on. So what would have been useful for you in your Um, journey? I think if someone had sat me down, and here are the few things. The first is to say, look, this time with your baby is going to be really beautiful with your partner, and it's also going to be really hard, and it's going to create major stress, most likely, in your partnership. And you will get through it, and you will find each other again, But just know that if you are hating your partner, it will likely pass. Don't assume that this is just the new normal. That Mm -hmm. would have been important for me. And that's just on the social piece. But otherwise, I would have said immediately check in with a doctor who you trust Mm -hmm. and have not just the checkups we all do and get from our insurance, but like a monthly checkup or, or more if you can do it with your doctor and regulating and testing hormones, even if you don't even have any symptoms of hormones, just testing to figure out what's or symptoms of imbalance. I, I would just say really being on top of that. And then mm-hmm. I think the sleep piece is huge. I'd say like creating some sort of sleep plan, which is hard for new parents because you're wanting to do it the way you're wanting to do it. And it's really hard to shift that. And then I think having like a foundation and a therapist would be really critical. And I did have a therapist. My therapist doesn't have kids and that felt like a divide for me. Mm. Um, But I think all those pieces and then being told, look, this whole like baby blues that lasts for three days postpartum is not the case. Like that Mm -hmm. might be the case for some people, but you could be having these feelings for a year plus out and that's Mm -hmm. normal and it's okay. And you just need this strong support system. I mean, the other piece is, really relying on a broader community and not just your tiny little nuclear family, which is not how it was ever meant to be. So Mm -hmm. reaching out to women friends or anyone and broadening the net as best you can so that you can be caught. Yeah, that's fantastic. Those are all really, really great and necessary points. And And I hope the moms who are listening and the therapists and the healthcare providers who are listening can take that into account too when they're thinking about their own experience that, I mean, you're, you're sort of saying it's good and okay to get help. You don't have to do this all on your own. And um, having a plan, like you mentioned before, is really, really necessary. Well, maybe it's about prevention, right? Instead mm-hmm. of waiting until you get diagnosed with postpartum depression, mm-hmm. maybe it's just saying, okay, this is a really big transition in a woman's life. Mm-hmm. Let's be preventative and do all the things so right. that we don't get to the place where we need to be diagnosed with something or we don't get to a crisis state. We haven't had a structure or system that allows for that. I mean, you go to Europe and women are, and parts of Europe are getting pelvic floor care just bar none, even if you haven't had a traumatic birth. That's huge. So I think the preventative piece is really important instead of sort of waiting to see, am I going to have this? Yeah. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. 
but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Right. And if we were educating and giving people that information ahead of time, uh, just so they know, even if people are hoping that they don't get it or kind of not able to put their finger on when they are having it, at least the information is there. They have access to it. Exactly. So I'm curious, how did you come to write a book about your journey? Well, I'm a writer by profession. That's how I process my life. So I'm a memoirist, personal narrative writer. And I knew as I was experiencing it that I needed to make something out of this. I didn't Mm -hmm. know if it would be an essay, a show or something. I didn't know. But I was taking notes. It's just the way that I move through the world. And it's the way I heal myself. And Mm -hmm. what was really coming up in big ways, and this is explored in the book, was that I had a lot of body trauma. And by trauma, mm-hmm. I don't mean like, I've never been raped. I have been molested, but I've never been raped. I have been, I've never been abused, but I had just a lot of social body trauma that mm-hmm. I knew about, but that was coming up big time for me because we go through these hormonal gateways and it all rises. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of it is that mm-hmm. it's there for you to look at. So, so that body piece was huge for me. So when my daughter was two, a little over two, I took all my notes and I went away on a residency to write a first draft. And I just knew that this story was bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And I had to write it. My saying I had for myself was, may this book heal me and heal others. Mm-hmm. And I had this acute awareness of this, this chorus of women yeah. who I didn't know sort of calling out for this. Mm-hmm. And that's my job. You know, if this is the gift I have, then I have to use it. And it was a huge part of my healing process. And my husband and I just told our story publicly last night in our town. And that was a huge part of our healing process. So Mm -hmm. I do, you mentioned earlier that you really believe in the power of story. And, you know, the more you talk about it, the the less the shame sort of evaporates, number one. But also, if it's out on a piece of paper, and it's separate from me, externalized, then it doesn't have power over me in the same way. And it doesn't yeah. sort of exist in my body. So for me, it's actually a, a therapeutic 
I don't, I don't like to use that word because I'm not a therapist, but it really is mm-hmm. a therapeutic tool yes. to like organize the story and make meaning of it and then have it as this living being separate from you. No, absolutely. I mean, that, that is one part of healing. One way of healing is journaling and writing stuff out and seeing it uh, outside of your head. Uh, out of mind onto paper type of uh, an experience. And I mean, you said it so beautifully how and why it's helpful. Mm -hmm. So were you taking notes throughout your experience? I was, and that's just how I move through life, right? (laughs) If something happens, that's interesting, or there's a moment, I'll Mm -hmm. write down little things just so I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, what the room smelled like and Mm -hmm. all those details that are important for good writing. So I was, but it was raw. It was a word document that it was just blah, you know, raw Mm -hmm. here and there. Right. It makes me wonder then, like after you kind of were back to yourself and you looked back on kind of some of your earlier writing, could you still identify with it? Could you still feel it? Was it, did it feel strange to you? What was that like? I think I was right on the threshold there where if I had waited a little bit longer, I would have had too much distance to really mm-hmm. connect in with that woman who had mm-hmm. been me. But mm-hmm. you know, I was, I, my daughter was t- just over two. So it wasn't that far back. Right. And I, I could definitely resonate with the feelings still. I was still having some of the feelings. Sure. But then, you know, after I finished writing the book, I had this huge physical experience where I felt the story leave my body and I had mm. this this replacement of joy, like true Aww. joy enter my body in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced since childhood. And in that moment, I said to my husband, you know, I'm over it. <laughs> like I'm over yeah. the story. I'm past it. And mm. then, and here's the beauty of life, we got pregnant intentionally again. And I was sent right back into it in the, in terms of the similar pregnancy. And then the postpartum has been so much easier, but I do believe that it was important for me to be reminded Mm -hmm. of what sleep deprivation feels like and Mm -hmm. all these pieces so that while I'm in the middle of promoting this book, I can actually feel, I can relive some of those feelings. I mean, they're not nearly as high pitched or acute at all, but I still touch into those moments. But I think if I hadn't had a second child, I would have sort of been in a whole different realm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, that's fascinating. And, and I'm also glad to hear you say, and for other people to hear that even though your, your first experience through pregnancy and postpartum was so difficult, and the second one was difficult, but it was better because yeah. you had different kind of support. It was better. We had a postpartum plan. It was yeah. tacked on our fridge. <laughs> and I was just more resilient. You know, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't spend two years in shock about what had Aww. happened to my body. Um, yeah. So... And you've already been a parent. You sort of know what to do with a newborn. It is easier on many levels. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I really I thank you for sharing this with us. And I know that the book goes into a lot more detail. And I'm sure that people, when they read the book, are going to be able to identify with some or parts of or all of your story in really powerful and meaningful ways. Thank you for writing it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here. Yeah, thank you. So I will be sure and give people links and all the places they can find you and find your book. And please, everyone who's listening, do go out and get this book. And uh, Molly, thank you again so much for being with us. Thanks so much. Thank you again, Molly, for opening up your story to the world so the rest of us can learn and know that we are not alone. Please get connected with Molly and check out her book, Body Full of Stars, Female Rage and My Passage into Motherhood. You can connect with her on her website, mollycaromay.com, on Facebook at Molly May, Instagram at Molly Carol May, and Twitter at Molly May 26. 
For this and all episodes of Mom and Mind, please go to momandmind.com, connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, or in our Mom and Mind Connection Facebook group. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is that you leave here feeling heard, understood, and hopeful. Please share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Mom and Mind. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.